You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 127th programme of Think Again. Think Again is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation that has been dedicated to social change for almost 24 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Today we're again looking at the federal government's draft religious discrimination bill, which just was submitted to uh, Parliament yesterday. Yes, that's right. There is a draft religious discrimination bill. We're not making that up. The bill has discrimination in its actual title. The PM introduced this bill today, uh, yesterday, the 25th of November, uh, which basically was the day we pre-recorded this program. The groundwork for the bill began several years ago as part of a backlash against the legislation or the legalisation, I think yeah, you the mean. legalisation, that's right. That's right. Of same-sex marriage in 20 or 2017. It was semi-orchestrated by hard-right members of the coalition and a number of especially conservative segments of the Christian churches. Mm. The latest version has been watered down a bit in response to the objections by more progressive liberals elected in mostly urban and more tolerant, probably even more progressive electorates, but it would still allow discrimination against various groups under the cloak of religious belief. Mm, That's right. Under the proposed bill, groups or individuals who could be discriminated against lawfully include LGBTIQ people, women, people with disabilities and those of no or other faiths, I guess. Yeah, those adhering to other faiths. In fact, all those people who would be in any way be different from what those people controlling our institutions in which employment, membership or services sought, like schools, welfare agencies, what those people find normal, appropriate, correct, acceptable according to their own criteria. Mm-hmm. An earlier version of the draft religious discrimination bill had the infamous follow clause allowing people to offend others if this would be based on their religious belief. So you could conceivably say that a gay person would go to hell or a person with a disability is possessed or a child born out of, out of wedlock mm-hmm. is a child of the devil mm-hmm. under that follow provision. Apparently, this has been shunted from the draft, but we'll see, as there is still resistance to take that right away from the relevant institutions or organisations. As hinted at in the earlier version, a person could also be refused medical treatment, abortion, for example, uh, on the basis of the medical professional's religious or other belief, 
And this also has apparently been removed. Yeah. So what's said to remain in the draft bill is that religious institutions, such as schools or welfare agencies, would still have the right to consider faith when hiring or firing staff. Importantly, this doesn't just refer to faith affiliation, like identifying as a Christian, the religion that this bill historically relates to. It extends to aspects of lifestyle and identity that a particular religious institution could say is not aligned with their faith. And remember, all major religions have a variety of beliefs uh, within their own religion and levels of strict or literal adherence with traditional religious texts. So you have people who are in most of the major religions who are more literal in their interpretation of religious texts, I guess. But this bill would allow the institution to merely make a statement of belief and then discriminate in reference to their own statement. Consequently, a person uh, could be, for example, could be a devout Christian and an excellent teacher but their same-sex relationship could make them sackable. So the very real fear is that religious belief can be broadly interpreted to cover things like sexual orientation and other things like that. Mm -hmm. In fact, there have been cases in the media of staff being fired when telling their religious school employers that they are gay. This has been possible because religious schools can already lawfully discriminate against LGBTQI people by sacking staff or by expelling students. Mm -hmm. But the proposed bill gives faith-based schools expanded powers to discriminate. Mm. And on the other hand, at a state level, the Victorian government is currently proposing laws that would make it illegal for religious schools to discriminate on the basis of gender, sexuality or marital status in hiring and firing staff. This Victorian legislation is still to go through Parliament, but even then it it may be overridden by the Federal Religious Discrimination Bill being proposed. So for this program, we thought we'd take a step back and look at the system of religious schools in Australia and how they're funded by us, the taxpayer, even while they think they should have the right to discriminate. Mm. David Zingier has written an interesting and eye-opening article on this very topic. Mm. David is an old friend of ours at Borderlands and he was involved with us from the very inception of Borderlands. And he was very much responsible, for example, for us getting our first real computer. Mm -hmm. He was a secondary teacher in public and private schools, actually in the school where my kids went to before doing further studies and eventually becoming an academic. He wrote an article in EduSearch Matters titled Stop All Government Funding for Private Schools, Why and How We Could Do It. Mm -hmm. He starts by comparing the Australian with the UK education systems, illustrating how unusual, quite exceptionally unusual, the Australian system is. David explains that in the UK, private schools are not publicly funded, but they have tax-deductible status. They rely on fees raised from parents and donors to keep going. Mm -hmm. There are also a lot less private schools in the UK than in this country. On the other hand, most faith-based public schools are part of the public system in the UK, which is the same in most European countries and in Canada as well. 
So, Jacques, there are private schools overseas that are not funded through the public purse, but by private... Um, but that seems pretty reasonable, doesn't it? Yeah, and there are then religious schools in, in those countries or in other countries that are almost fully funded by the public purse. Ah, so religious schools that are not private schools. Exactly. Okay. In the in the sense that they are not that they would be funded by private money, mm. only. So yes, these publicly funded religious schools there in those countries follow the same national curriculum, enrollment and staffing rules as public schools, uh -huh. with some openings for religious content for which they receive mixed but not public funding. So yeah. the churches themselves, for example, would fund that. And the relevant, the really relevant bit for this program is that they have the same staffing rules. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. right. So in these publicly funded religious schools, there's no public funding for religious content, but otherwise the same content and rules as public schools. That's right. Now, to let that sink in a bit, let's go to a music break with Universe by Candy Royale. And we return after that. in this space where black and white seem to reign life must exude hues beyond the gray pigmentations that wash across skies taut like drum skin ready to split stretched across numerous lost beginnings it beggars belief that we should be the inventors engineers and architects of our own demise musicians of a catastrophic symphony we are playing a dying cadence our instruments don't vibrate they fucking violate stifled by some sense of not belonging it's hard to love when we're all star-crossed standing on shores of the greatest grief frolicking in stories carried on currents from conflicts Sandcastles out of sadness side by side to see who's its grandest Topping turrets with shells shed by creatures who knew when it was time to leave And bring them back to our mouths Maybe we'd taste those tears That dry on the faces of the faceless Evaporated, heated by misguided hatred It seems we're still listening for hindsight Who always gets the last fucking laugh History isn't a lesson we learn well The wind is telling us we are forcing the hand of fate We're just not listening, displaced Disengaged from the rage This age a stage for the big players We can kiss away their vision A type of blindness that must be bliss Maybe more will be willing to listen Those that are tired of seeing Stay with me uh, There are rhythms that ruin Rhythms that are fluid Rivers that run through us, engorged with stories, we're swimming those truest. When will the violence cease? When will we ease this disease of the heart and the tame? Peace, don't tell me it's human nature. 
You're listening to Think Again, 3CR, 855 AM on your dial, 3CR Digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about the Religious Discrimination Bill submitted to Parliament by the Federal Government. And we're looking at this from uh, within the context of the funding of private and religious schools in Australia funded by the taxpayer. Yeah, for people who are interested, a recent research article looks at the public funding of private schools across the countries in the OECD. The authors, Sankayo et al., they present four models which are currently going across those OECD countries. <clears throat> we don't have time to cover them in depth in this program, but we will put the link on our program page. Briefly, the models are, first one, freedom of instruction which is the model which runs in Australia. The second model is equivalence between private and public schools funding, which is based on their acceptance of the national curriculum. The third model is market competition, particularly in the wake of the uh, introduction of neoliberalism. And the fourth is a system which uh, puts lots of emphasis on autonomy uh, of the local of individual schools, which would lead to educational diversification and increase also competition. Mm. So I guess it would take a lot more time to tease that out, Jacques, mm. but yeah. I guess the point is that there are different ways we could be doing things, a lot mm -hmm. of different ways, and there are lots of examples for thinking about this from other countries and what they're mm -hmm. doing. And we certainly don't have to fund private schools from the public purse, especially to the extent we do here, religious or otherwise. Uh, but, uh, so, Jacques, perhaps you could just tell us a bit about what happens in Belgium, where you originally come from. That mm -hmm. might be the best on, um, um, illustrator of that point. Yeah, well, in my own case, I grew up in Belgium as you probably have figured out already. But mm -hmm. uh, from Guinea... <laughs> <laughs> from uh, kindergarten all the way to university, I have always been going to Catholic schools, Catholic university, Catholic kindergartens. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, all of those were fully funded by the state. The curriculum was the national curriculum, was accepted and was basically expected that all schools of whatever orientation, in order to get the full funding from the state, would follow that curriculum. The Catholic schools, they had a little bit of an opening to uh, do things like Bible and catechism, because it was mostly Catholic in Belgium. In Belgium was at that stage certainly wall-to-wall -wall Catholicism and uh, floor-to-ceiling, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, so for Bible and, cath and uh, catechism studies, which came weekly in weekly doses, as they tend to do, there was uh, then the, the Catholic Church needed to actually pay for that, particularly if they needed to have teachers for that or uh, priests who would come in and all of that. And uh, that, was, that was the only real difference between Catholic schools and public schools in terms of their curriculum. And uh, other than that, the entire uh, educational resources were provided and paid for by the state. The teachers, salaries, building maintenance, building themselves, 
except for a couple of percentages where the Catholic uh, schools would come in with some of their own buildings. And mm-hmm. they were also required to do some of the maintenance. So it was probably a percentage point of two or three. Mm-hmm. But other than that, uh, as I said, the system, the two systems were totally parallel. Mm. And uh, that also was revealed or was confirmed in the article I just mentioned before, mm-hmm. where Belgium, together with uh, systems like in uh, partly in Germany, in Holland, in a variety of countries across the OECD, follow that same system. So there would be no need for parents to add onto the, the, the fees, your, you know, fees for having their kids going to school. Uh, mm-hmm. Except in some, like for example, for some uh, of the trips, uh, you know, the two or three day camps which we would do, mm-hmm. parents would be sometimes then both in public and in the Catholic schools asked to contribute to some of the costs there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's basically where I went to, and it still is working very much like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing is that here we've collapsed the mm-hmm. private and the religious mm-hmm. schools. That's correct. And that's why it's hard for us to get our heads around this type of thing. But um, in Belgium, it's separate. Yeah, here they are collectively referred to as independent schools and they have also a very potent spokes kind of a person who uh, all the time uh, pipes up when any criticism is being made of the the Mm -hmm. private schools here in Australia. Yeah. So, yeah. So the most of those schools of, here, yeah, the two types are, as you said, are basically the same private. Uh, it's sort of like you call it collapsed. Uh, they are basically the same thing. Uh, and uh, they're getting the lion's care, the share of the public education dollar, in addition to substantial payments by utterly, uh, yeah, uh, by usually better off parents. So you're talking about Australia now, that's right? Correct. So the yeah, two, that's correct. The two yeah. systems are collapsed here. That, that's correct. Yeah, and like you said, yeah, the religious schools are getting a lion's share of the um, mm-hmm. public public education dollar in addition to substantial payments by usually better off parents. That's right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I guess, you know, what's sort of interesting is how did this come to pass? And so looking into this, in 1963, Australia began funding private religious schools to help Catholic schools. And they were, we're looking at poorer Catholic schools. Many, but certainly not all, were located in poor areas. And the idea was to help them with their science facilities. So it started from quite a narrow base and purpose. Then two years later in 1965, private schools received 25% of all federal funding for schools. And to quote from David Zinger's article, um, quote, today private schools in Australia receive 75% of all federal funding we have gone a long way past just bringing poor Catholic parish schools up to public school standards. These days, the poor schools across Australia, those needing help, are public schools. So apparently the religious schools, unquote I should say, apparently the religious schools that uh, taxpayers fund include two Scientology schools with fewer than 50 students each receiving almost $10,000 per student every year and we fund 31 exclusive brethren schools. 
uh, that in many cases, I can't remember how much they got. Have you got that figure, Jacques? No, I don't. I don't. But it's it's similar to uh, what well, the uh, Scientology ones get. Yeah, it's pretty huge, um, mm-hmm. and they get much more than nearby government schools. Yeah, our high level of funding for private schools is unusual when compared to similar countries. David Singer points out that the, that Australia ranks as the fourth highest spending country for private schools in the OECD after Mexico, Colombia and Turkey. Our private schools receive on average about $10,000 per student per year from government funding on top of the parental uh, the parental fees, which can be as high, as we said before, as $35,000 per student per wow. year. You don't have a million dollars and still want to have a good education for your kid? Tune into the Dogs Program. We are the defenders of government schools. 12pm on Saturdays here on 3CR. 855 and AM Dial podcast streaming live on 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital. We defend government schools because they need it. You're listening to Think Again 3CR 855 AM on your dial 3CR Digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about the Religious Discrimination Bill submitted to Federal Parliament and we're looking at this from the context of the funding of private and religious schools by us, the taxpayer. This, uh, the growth in inequality we've been t- talking about in relation to the funding of private schools and public schools seems to be really getting much worse. The Australian Productivity Commission found that government funding for public schools was cut by $17 per student between 2009 and 2017, while funding for Catholic schools increased from 2009 to 2017 by $1,400 per student. And so-called independent private schools funding increased by $1,300 per student in the same period. So I'll repeat that. From 2009 to 2017, an eight-year period, funding was reduced in public schools to the tune of $17 per student. At the same time, it was increased in independent schools by $1,300 dollars a difference and, of thirteen hundred and seventeen dollars between mm, the two mm. and these private schools getting fat on our taxpayers dollars mm. to the detriment of our public schools they want the right and that's bringing us back to our initial talking about the discrimination bill they want the right to discriminate against people whose lifestyles may differ with their religious tenets and prejudices Yeah, they really have no shame, do they? No, and it really does not need to be that way, as we have suggested, that there are other models of funding education across private and public schools in many OECD countries. Mm -hmm. The latest OECD report on worldwide education indicators has confirmed that public investment into Australia's public education system is below the OECD average. Mm -hmm. According to the Education at a Glance report, last year, Australia, not this year actually, Australia boasts the highest rates of return on investment in the OECD 
in terms of increased lifetime earnings, increased taxation revenues and lower social costs. So, so pretty much we do well. We're doing well from our investment in education. It's a dollar well yeah. spent, Shark. That's right. But public investment is well below the OECD average, with Australia being 19th out of 37 countries and well below the OECD funding average per student. Yeah, so we're paying a lot less on our education per student, per student, which really reflects poorly on our level of investment in education as a whole, doesn't it? Especially mm. for a wealthy country like us. At the same time, Australia has the third highest level of private expenditure on education, more than, listen to this, 2.6 times the OECD average. Gosh. And we do badly too on vocational spending no matter what our pm says about wanting to fund training for jobs according to that same report quote australia is fourth last in the oecd when it comes to vocational education spending per student above only the russian federation mexico lithuania and Turkey, unquote. <laughs> so the general point is, if you want to have a proper equitable schooling system with access to everyone and for everyone and equitable delivery of educational programs, we just need a progressive tax system. Yeah. Otherwise, we will continue to have growing inequality, which translates to good schools only being available to those who can pay for them. Yeah, and Jacques, I would add, we end up with a class-segregated school system that embeds power and influence and opportunity in private elite schools that we all pay for at the expense of our public schools. Mm. Yeah, and, and we talked about that before in another program, you remember. Yes, we did. And returning mm -hmm. to the... Um, Coming near the end of the program, we should return to the Religious Discrimination Bill by the federal government. So private Christian schools with this bill not only want to be able to discriminate against staff and students on the basis of things like sexuality and marital status, they think that we, the Australian taxpayer, should fund them to do so. So that is certainly taking ideas of elitist entitlement to a whole new level. Mm -hmm. And we'll certainly continue talking about this in future programs. Yes, now to our community announcements. And we've got a couple of things to say and to share with you. Social and public housing campaign, uh, which has been started by SISFIC, uh, uh, a partner organisation uh, of Borderlands, the... Uh, are running a campaign and have been running a campaign for the last couple of weeks to increase uh, public and private, uh, sorry, public and social housing mm -hmm. uh, by about 7,000 units per year for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. And we are having that campaign uh, in Borderlands uh, or at Borderlands the 1st, 2nd and 3rd of December next week, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday from about 11, 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, till about three to four o'clock in the afternoon. And as we have been saying to you already a couple of times, we are now at 30A Pickett Street in Footscray. So do come and visit, have a chat with the 
all of us people who are standing there in support of that campaign. And the have, a, have a walk around the origami house installation that's, that's made right. up of thousands of origami houses made by community members and volunteers and people in the community. Yep, from the CISVIC network. Uh, and we, the second thing to be talking about or mentioning to you is there will be an anti-AUKUS rally on Saturday the 11th December at one o'clock at the State Library uh, in Melbourne uh, under the sort of the call for no AUKUS, no nuclear submarines, no war. We have had several programs on that mm -hmm. as well. So the 11th of uh, December on Saturday, and we will be putting a link to the website to the website of the organizers of that campaign uh, on our, on the website. Mm -hmm. Yep. So thanks for listening to Think Again on uh, 3CR Community Radio. If you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email Borderlands borders at borderlands.org.au. Our past programs are available on podcast uh, and at the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. Thanks again to Clive Vaughan for recording, technical production and great music picks. Meanwhile, stay tuned for Jailbreak, which gives a voice to our sisters and brothers in prison, as well as their families and friends. To bring us into this into jailbreak, we have Milku Mana. Uh,